Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest's individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening. Welcome to the Bright Not Broken radio show on the Coffee Clutch Network. I am your host, Diane Kennedy, and tonight we have got a wonderful program for you about homeschooling that we're very excited to be covering. Lots of questions, lots of um, things to be covered tonight. But before we do, I would like to make sure that we thank our wonderful sponsor, Mayor Johnson. They are... Um, a, um, I'm going to get this straight here. Mayor uh, Johnson would like you to make your holiday list and check it twice with the Mayor Johnson Gift-Giving Guide. Uh, they are your special education super source, and with their gift guide, they've made it easy to shop three different ways, by price, by category, or specific solutions. The perfect present is just a click away at MayorJohnson.com. That's M-A-Y-E-R slash or I'm sorry, M-A-Y-E-R dash J-O-H-N-S-O-N dot com. Now that I've got that straight, on to the interview. And that is, um, as I mentioned tonight, about homeschooling. Sometimes school just doesn't work, and homeschooling is the answer, particularly for our gifted or 2E children. We'd like you to join us tonight as we welcome parent, author, and homeschooling expert, Suki Westling. Suki will be discussing her brand new book called From School to Homeschool, Should You Homeschool Your Gifted Child? We'll be talking about many issues that parents face when they're deciding to homeschool, such as de-schooling, creating a homeschool support system, learning about different homeschooling styles, college, and lots more. This is the episode to hear if you're in need of resources and practical information on this very important topic. So um, with further, no further ado, I'd like to welcome Suki to our program. Suki, are you there? I'm here. Thank you, Diane, for having me on. This is very exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, we are very excited to have you. Such an important topic and one that often uh, a lot of our parents are faced with, sometimes not always by choice, um, when there is difficulty at school, and we're going to talk about that tonight. But before we get started about our special children and about this very important issue, can you tell us, Suki, just a little bit about your background, what led you to homeschool, and why you wrote the book? Sure. Um, I am a writer, and I was a writer before I had children, and Having children just sort of swerved my writing in a new direction. And so I have two children, one 13 and one 10. 
Um, and once I had the first one, I started writing about parenting and um, education. And then the second one came along, and um, I had this plan uh, that my kids would, of course, um, start kindergarten and go to school and go to the same school uh, for as long as possible and then go to a new school and be successful and all of that, what most people have um, as their, their sort of over uh, their, their oversimplification of what parenting is like. <laughs> and um, so I, I looked forward to my second child starting kindergarten as what I sort of thought of as the beginning of my my real life, quote unquote, my my right, getting back to my writing life. However, um, she had not been terribly comfortable in preschool, though we had found some situations that worked. And when she started in kindergarten, it should have been just clearly, just absolutely clear to me that kindergarten was not going to work. However, it took me about three months to really come to terms with this because. I just had this fixed idea that she was going to be in kindergarten and we would just make it work. Um we <laughs> she she was she she's a very um adventurous creative spirit and um the confines of a classroom were very difficult for her. Um she's never been very comfortable with rules imposed from above without discussing them and understanding them and school of course is full of rules imposed from above and she started to act out and in a way that you know i i from at that point was thinking of it as misbehavior from the more traditional parenting point of view but eventually started to come around and realize that it was her expressing distress and it became extreme distress as the months went along um, to the point where they asked me to hire an, hire an aide, and after two attempts that didn't work, I started attending school with her. And at that point, I started thinking and started really re taking a new view on this, and, and my husband and I had never liked the word gifted. It, we were both um, graduates of public high schools, and we did not, were not in gifted programs, and and we just thought it was sort of silly and thought, of course, any school will be able to teach our kids, no problem. However, somewhere in December of her kindergarten year, I sat down in front of Google and typed in the words difficult, gifted child <laughs> because I thought, what is going on here? I, I, you know, I had this image that my kids would be like me and my husband. We were sort of, you know, smart, nerdy kids. Um, somewhat you know, like my, my older child. So, um, you know, he's the kid. When you say gifted kid, most people think of the really smart kid who's not very athletic and, you know, you can go and add all of the stereotypes you want. And she was anything but that. Uh, so I had to do a lot of very quick self-education. Um, and what happened was I took her out of school not knowing any homeschoolers, having met because I interviewed a homeschooler for an article I had written a few months earlier and I'd had to take her with me because the school wanted me to be there anytime she was there. And um, the the person I interviewed said, well, you know, you could always homeschool. And <laughs> I said, fat chance, you know. And then a few months right. later, there I was calling her, help, help me. And so I was the world's most reluctant homeschooler um, starting into homeschooling. And so that's how I got started. And 
fast forward a few years, um, became very comfortable homeschooling my daughter. My son was still in school, and one day he was talking about how he really wanted to do some project, but we never had time. And I said, you know, if you were homeschooling, and I just sort of, you know, it just sort of popped out of my mouth, and he got this look on his face. He said, I could homeschool? And so all of a sudden we became a full homeschooling family. So he's now been homeschooling three years. So, um, so we're this is his third year of homeschooling. So we're a complete homeschooling family now. One child in middle school. Not all homeschoolers um, really care about grades, um, and I don't terribly either. But to get a sense of where they are, um, he's in middle school, just about to go on to high school, and um, she is officially in fifth grade. A young fifth grader. Her abilities are, you know, here and there, as homeschoolers often are, but that's sort of where we are now. And so, um, so you, so you, um, you would, what we would uh, definitely consider as a experienced homeschooler, is that right? You've, you've done this a while, you've got your groove, you're kind of, you, you know what you're doing now. So, um, can you well, tell yeah. us? Well, well yes. No, absolutely. And what I was going to say is your book is just so um, so full of rich experiences. I mean, you, you put information from other parents. You share other parents that are at different places on the journey. So tell us um, how, um, you know, how this led you to, and I know you do some training, you write a blog, you're, you're using your own experience to help other people, which I think is just fantastic. Well, so so as far as being an experienced homeschooler, I would say, well, yes, with a dot, dot, dot after it. Homeschooling is, it, it's it's a practice. It's not something you learn and then you're done learning because your children are constantly changing. So when you're a teacher, if you start teaching second grade and you choose your curriculum over a 20, 30-year career, of course, you'll make changes. But if you don't change to a new grade, you you know, you'll have kids who come in and challenge what you've learned and what you know, but you're really still basically teaching more or less the same thing. Whereas with homeschooling, you're constantly moving. Even if you have two kids, the likelihood, or even more kids, the likelihood that your kids will have the same needs is pretty low. So, um, so yes, experience, but not, I, I, you know, nobody's a pro at homeschooling, basically. Um, <laughs> so... So, yes, and what what happened was that since I was already a writer and I was already writing parenting articles, um, I started a blog. Um, I saw that a local parenting email newsletter was looking for bloggers, and I thought, well, I don't like this sort of, you know, too much personal information type blogging, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll see if they want me to blog about educational issues and parenting issues, that sort of thing. And so... I started doing that, and though I have gotten more into personal stuff, you aren't going to see on my blog a lot of those. Um, here's what we did today. Um, here's, here's you know, something cute my kid said, type of more anecdotal stuff. I, I still have at heart a, a journalistic mission, which is to inform people. So generally when I write something, it's because a, an idea occurs to me or a resource comes along and I want to give people information. Well, I think that, well, that is certainly a needed service and that's something that, um, 
you know, being a parent yourself, and and I really love how you gave the example of, I I think that's a great way to think about this, that um, if a teacher teaches the same grade year after year, but yet, and you're so right, as you were saying it, I was thinking to myself, gosh, you know, if you have more than one child, and actually if you have a whole house full of children that belong to you, your chances are you're going to be at different grades and different levels and different um you know, different skill sets, different strengths, different challenges, and and that um, that is certainly makes it, um, I'm sure, a variety of of learning for both parent and student. And actually, as we get into the specifics of homeschooling, let's talk briefly um, before that about gifted and twice exceptional students, because that, of course, is what our work is about. Um, about twice exceptional students and um, focusing on the gifted and and your book also focuses on um, gifted children and how they are unique and how their needs if you can help us explain just a little bit from your perspective about their unique strengths and challenges that can make it difficult for them to learn in a traditional education setting well yes the first thing that i i want to say is that the actual very definition of a gifted child is asynchronous development. If you had, if you didn't have asynchronous development, you wouldn't have a gifted child. Um, right. Most gifted children are asynchronous at different rates in different areas. So you have what's called globally gifted children, these kids who are just way ahead in every area, and we've probably all read about or known some someone who was just a brilliant student in every area started college at 16 was you know was was a fabulous singer and volunteered at the homeless shelter and that's wonderful however most gifted kids don't actually have that globally gifted thing they show asynchronous development and twice exceptional students just pretty much show that in a more obvious way, um, but but they fall squarely within giftedness because all gifted children almost show some asynchronous development. I mean, that makes it hard for schools because schools, you know, when they teach fifth grade, they want the fifth graders to cluster around a certain level of learning and certain certain types of needs. And gifted kids are just generally set up to blow any expectations like that out of the water. So with a fifth grader, you might have a fifth grader who is learning calculus, but who can't spell. Uh, you could have a fifth grader who is is doing, you know, say a year or two ahead in in most subjects, and um, and is integrated in the classroom intellectually okay, but their emotional development causes problems in the classroom. Um, anyone who knows the sort of gifted 101 um, facts will know about Dabrowski's overexcitabilities. These are aspects that, that tend to cluster with giftedness where gifted children tend to be more sensitive in certain ways. Some will be more sensitive to sound, so they'll, they'll freak out at the sound of um, fluorescent lighting. Some of them will need to be constantly engaged in something or their, their minds will just, this is, you know, my, my kids, they, they need, they need a lot of intellectual stimulation and boredom does not 
sit well with them. That's why a lot of gifted kids turn out to be troublemakers in school. They get bored and they start to make trouble. Um, twice exceptional kids cause the similar but more um, just, you know, wider problems in a school environment. You might have a twice exceptional student who is brilliant when doing verbal math but can't has has dysgraphia and can't write. And so this causes a huge problem in school, of course, because you have this kid who can't even do a basic math worksheet, yet when you talk to them, when they're talking about math concepts, they're years and years ahead. Um, so that causes problems because in a school setting, it's extremely hard to accommodate kids who are so unusual, um, especially because school is set up for for special needs and everyone else. And everyone else is supposed to be in the same classroom and then they'll pull out for dyslexia or, or they'll have a special class for kids with social emotional difficulties. They will, they, there's very little understanding of how to serve a kid who is both ahead and behind. Right, and I, I know that we, um, we've talked a lot here about overexcitability, so I'm glad you brought that up because that that's true. Um, that is a, a feature that I think may be similar in being described with um, the disability side and with gifted, but the result sometimes can be the same. These kids need stimulation and lots of it, and they need to be focused in their area of strengths. And and at the same time, an area of weakness can certainly throw them off kilter to the point where it makes it difficult for them to even pay attention to something that they enjoy or that they're plugged into. And um, I've mentioned it here before, but it's certainly appropriate this evening. I myself uh, found myself in a position and always felt like teaching wasn't, I didn't know if I had the patience ever to be a teacher and ended up homeschooling my own son um, for a short amount of time in um, in his early high school years. And we had some of the things that you've described. He, um, he had a difficulty in mathematics, but he is visually, spatially very, very talented. And, um, you know, that just, it's, it's that discrepancy, that asynchronous development that you mentioned. And I think that's so important because um, our traditional settings, and I know that's been a huge topic in education reform, is that we, we're teaching to the test and to the curriculum, not to the child. I mean, that's not good for normal children without any <laughs> children who can stay in the medium with um, with not, you know, falling too far to the right or left. It, it really isn't, and homeschooling allows that kind of flexibility that I think is, is you know, totally um, what you're describing our kids need. They need the flexibility of learning at their pace. And, you know, uh, once yes. the decision – oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say that um, that, that sort of explains something that uh, – counting homeschoolers is a very, very difficult thing, and nobody, to, to my knowledge, has done it really well yet. However, um, just anecdotally, it is pretty clear that there's a prevalence in home, amongst homes, this homeschooling community – of gifted children and children with special needs um, because of that, so so that you see more and more that where homeschooling was most popular, say, 10 or 20 years ago with Christian families, now it's whether or not the families are Christian, a lot of them, their major motivation 
is leaving this testing-based environment where kids, both kids who are ahead and who do fine on the tests, but, but you know, they're, they're bored because it, there's nothing but test prep, and kids who have special needs are really not being served. And so homeschooling does seem to be attracting a higher uh, proportion of those kids. Right, um, absolutely, and I'm, I would agree with you. There's probably not a good way for us to, to have the data on that, although we know that it's probably much higher than uh, the volume is much higher than, than maybe we uh, would expect, especially as our system continues, our educational system continues to just be uh, mirrored in such, um, in, in such controversy and turmoil. And um, one of the topics I wanted to talk about is once the decision has been made to homeschool, the transition may be difficult for the child and also the parent, depending on how long they had been in school previously. So if you could um, tell our listeners what de-schooling is, that's an interesting term, and um, maybe if you can explain, too, some of those steps that can make the experience smoother. Can you tell us about that? Yes, um, de-schooling is pretty much is basically defined as the process of moving from a school-based mentality to a home homeschool-based mentality. And the reason that's important is that you know, as I've already described, homeschooling is fundamentally different from being a in, being a student in a school and being a teacher in a school. And so, in order to do it successfully, it really does take a a change of mindset and. So de-schooling, um, you know, there's, a lot of, there's lots of information. If you just search online, there's a wonderful book called De-schooling Gently um, and also a couple of really nice websites. All of this is, um, is linked in my book if you, if you can get a copy of my book. Um, and what, when it comes to gifted kids and de-schooling, I actually, what, what I did for my book was I um, interviewed a number of families to to make sure that I didn't just use my own personal experiences only. Um, and also I, I had read a lot of other people's experiences because I've taken part in homeschool groups and gifted homeschooling groups for quite a while and saw that there were some strands. And with de-schooling, it seems like there's two major strands. And the, the one strand is, is what most homeschoolers would expect, that sometimes you take a kid out of school and the first thing they need to do is just veg out for a few months. And this is very normal, especially when you have a kid who has been been under stress in school. And very often, especially with twice as exceptional kids, people come to homeschooling in in a, a state of panic. And so de-schooling is very definitely an important process. It's a process which in which the homeschooling parent and the child get to know each other in a whole different way. Um, that, you know, until now the parent has been farming out education to someone else and all of a sudden it's this big responsibility and it's a little scary sounding. So de-schooling allows you some time to settle back and just get to know each other. And what, what I recommend is is not necessarily, I mean, if your kid really, really just needs to um, play a video game for, for however long it takes or whatever, then you make that call. But what a lot of families do that I think is very healthy is what they do is they don't start with any schooling right at first, but they don't just sit and veg out. They go to museums. They go for walks in the woods. They um, get movies about, documentaries about uh, things they're interested in. They 
they do a lot of art together, and and of course this all depends on the on the age of your child too. Um, so that's group number one: kids who really need to homeschool kids and parents. The school, I'm sorry. The second group is those gifted kids who are in school and are feeling so held back from exploring their passions that when they get into homeschool, I mean, some of the parents I talked to said, de-schooling, are you kidding? The first thing my kid said when I said, you're not going to school today is, oh, can I study some really fun math instead of what they were doing in school? And, you know, they're just like, <laughs> They're, they're, they're being, they're, it's like they're being shot out of a cannon because they've been holding themselves back. So there are gifted kids who really don't need the de-schooling process at all. And, they're ready um, to go. And so yeah. it really, they're ready to go. And, and parents should just, it's, it's a real process of learning to really listen to your kid um, to become a, a successful homeschooler. And so, so that, you know, you don't know, you really can't know. And, and I, I, in my book, include um, my de-schooling experience, which was I thought I knew everything because, you know, I had been homeschooling a few years. And when my son um, decided to homeschool, I thought, oh, he doesn't need to de-school. And so I signed him up for online classes and, you know, put together stuff, curriculum I wanted to work on and stuff. And, oh, my God, it was such a disaster. <laughs> so, um, we live so and learn. Had I... When I looked back, I saw all the signs that I had ignored. I was ready and raring to go. He needed to take some time off. So in the end, his needs did assert themselves. And we never, you know, I didn't, I'm not, we're not the sort of family where we don't really watch TV or anything. So vegging out in front of the TV would be a highly unnatural thing <laughs> for him to have done in our family. But he, he read, he um, you know, we went we we went on walks. I'm a big proponent of going on walks when when things aren't going well. Just go on a walk and see what happens. Um, we we've studied some things that he was interested in, but really gently. And and it really took him well over a year before I felt like homeschooling. I was sure homeschooling was the right choice. So so yeah, you, being sensitive to what your child really needs versus what you really want to do is is really important when it comes to de-schooling. Absolutely, and you know, um, one of the questions that parents face, and as you mentioned, you know, in that situation you were just describing, you were the one that needed the adjustment. Um, um, or, you know, your son did, and so you needed to adjust to him, I guess is what I was trying to say. And so, and it is uh -huh. being observant, and as a parent, I think it's a learning process as well. And I know this next question I'd like to ask you certainly was something that went through my mind. This is These sound like my words, and that is, it's something parents ponder, and I know I did. How do I begin, and what will I teach? If you can explain some of the homeschooling styles and the learning theories, just give us a little bit of direction about that and, and perhaps share some uh, where they can find this in your book. Okay, well, the first thing I always tell people is um, two things. One, make no firm decisions. Two, spend little or no money. And almost everybody ignores that advice, um, myself included. <laughs> so, actually, I, I did not ignore that advice the first time around. Um, my daughter was in kindergarten, and it was so much easier for me to say, well, what did I do in kindergarten? You know, I remember finger painting, listening to stories. So, you know, I, I really didn't care so much um, worry so much but but yeah a lot of people are really 
they want to go out and spend money on a year's curriculum, and that is the number one worst thing to do because you don't know what's going to work for your kids. You don't know what's going to work for you. Um, so, so, you know, make, no, don't, don't suddenly announce what kind of homeschooler you are. Don't go out and spend a pile of money. Um, try to, try to um, work. You, you probably are going to be attracted to a certain way of doing things, but realize that you and your child are going to change. And you always have to be flexible. But that said, um, homeschooling can be sort of categorized. Um, the one that most, the, the approach that most people would um, do seem to envision, most non-homeschoolers seem to envision when you say you homeschool is what homeschoolers call structured homeschooling or school at home, in which the parent is the teacher and the children are the students, and you follow um, curriculum, you use curriculum that's pre-made, and you follow it from page one on through to page 121. Um, you structured homeschoolers often are more likely to pay attention to grade level expectations, trying to meet the their state's educational standards, which you can get in, no matter what state you're in, go to your Department of Education um, website and you can download the standards for all the grades and I, I've done that and it, it is it, it is interesting I would never recommend actually that a beginning homeschooler do it because it's it's overwhelming and it's very shocking and it can make you feel like you'll never possibly cover all that and you never will because homeschooling is very different from school however right. um, so so you have the school at home and that's what most people have an image of I know very, very few homeschoolers who do a structured school at home um, approach. Of course, I live in liberal um, California, coastal California, but most homeschoolers seem to um, seem to at least, in some ways, um, uh, you know, not quite follow a school routine. But there are homeschoolers who do it just like school. They have recess time. They have everything set up. So that's one approach. Um, another approach is following a certain learning theory, like Montessori or Waldorf. Um, often people who do this were attracted to that theory before. Maybe they even tried out a school that used that theory, um, and then they, they try, or sometimes they're trained in that theory and they do it at home. Um, and um, that is something, I know I've met a number of people who do that. Usually, you know, like, for example, Montessori is, is completely a school-based, system it was invented for school and so to do it at home you have to do a lot of adjustment but um, but you certainly can um, and so and, and depending on what theory people choose it could it, that can be very structured or very unstructured um, a lot of homeschoolers do something called unit studies where they try where they choose a theme and then they try to make everything from language arts to science to math um, have something to do with that theme um, and that's something that that I think it's really a cool idea that I've never been able to do. Um, trying to get my, my children on board for that would be impossible. Another approach that um, especially I know families with gifted kids tend often tend to take is what they call a la carte schooling or custom schooling where the parent actually does no homeschooling at all. The parent is the scheduler, the sort of administrator, and finds tutors or classes for their children and makes that happen. So that's increasingly common as people who start homeschooling who are not 
people who are starting homeschooling because they love the idea of homeschooling, but because school is just not fitting their kids' needs. So I know a number of people who do that. Um, then if I can interrupt you, uh, if I can interrupt yes. you one second, I I really want to highlight that point because as you were talking, I. I look back and I I know that somebody did recommend to me and we did find a tutor. Now, we did it just for one subject, but um, I know that that, and it was just once a week to kind of reinforce what I was doing, but I think that's so good that you pointed that out because that can be mm-hmm. just a source of comfort and, and you're right, um, just to relieve a lot of stress about parents who think, I'm not a teacher, I don't know if I can adequately provide the information that needs to be given to my child. You know, I think, um, and and maybe, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here with our next question of how we can find that, those resources. Oh, wait, wait, I didn't finish, though. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I didn't do, finish because it's great. I, 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 I hadn't I hadn't summed up well there are two two remaining points I want to make. One is that there's been some press about a uh, an approach to homeschooling that is called unschooling. Unschooling right. is when the it's also called child led learning, when the parent attempts to follow the child's interests and um people who unschool come go across a huge range of how they define following their child's interests. Um, people who call themselves radical unschoolers say that they never tell their children what to do ever, and they follow their children's lead in everything. Um, and then, on the other hand, there are people who call themselves unschoolers who just who help, have their children help them figure out what they're going to do next. And um, so, unschooling is very is, it's. It's something where I've noticed that a lot of people, I have not a lot of people are pure radical unschoolers in every way, but a fair number of homeschooling families integrate some unschooling into what they do in that they do follow their child's interests. And what I wanted to point out last was that um, the great majority of people I know, when push comes to shove, really love the term eclectic homeschooling because we don't <laughs> most of us don't just do one single approach in my case um we tend to unschool in our areas of strength because my kids just don't need any sort of curriculum or um even much um nudging for me to learn in their areas of strength um areas of weakness or areas that I'm not so um strong in we might use a curriculum or we might use a tutor or a class. Um, So eclectic homeschoolers tend to do a little of this and a little of that, and that's a lot of us. Right. Well, and I mean, and that certainly is a a good way to address the whole child and the whole need, um, you know, to look at all of it. And I didn't I didn't mean to, to stop you. I knew you had some great points there. I just wanted to point out how important it is that parents can feel like there's a way to do this it's without having to do it all yourself. And oh, you yeah. know that and that leads us to the next thing, which when I felt lost myself and I know I just love that um you know, there's so many resources in your book, and I was I was thinking about this today as we prepared for the interview. I remember the first thing I did do before I plugged in and found a group. Um, of course, I do the same thing. I want information. So I went to the bookstore, and I had a really hard time finding a good book that was just going to give me the nuts and bolts of homeschooling. I mean, there were some on specific topics, but 
nothing that was as well-rounded as is you know covering all these important topics and um i i just want to say that i wish your book had been available when i was there and i'm glad for those parents out there now well, that it is. Thank you. I, I mean, I, I did try. I tried to make it pretty focused. I didn't want it to be. There is another wonderful um, homeschooling book for, specifically for gifted children, which is quite out of date, but I'm excited to say is being updated as we speak. Um, it's called Creative Homeschooling uh, by Lisa oh. Rivero, and it's also published by the same press that published my book. And when I was doing my book, I, um, I emailed the publisher and I said, you know, I'm going to recommend creative homeschooling, but I'm going to say it's at 10 years old, 10 years ago, homeschooling with the Internet has changed so dramatically in 10 years that I'm going to recommend it for the content, but not for any of the resources. And he he contacted Lisa and he said, so what about it? Should we update this? So it's going to be updated. So um, that is a book that's going to be much heavier on the, daily how-to stuff. And my book is more of a focus on on an overview of, of how do you get here? How do you go from school to homeschool? And how do you get to where you need to get to in order to be a successful um, homeschooler? Well, and that and that is what's needed, I think, sometimes, especially as I mentioned earlier, when parents are sometimes faced with this, as I was, very unprepared. It wasn't something really that was our choice. We just reached a point with some difficulty that there was no other option. And, and it was in the middle of the school year, so we had to do something quickly. And I think that's, you know, that's a great thing. Sometimes you don't want to be overwhelmed with too much detail. But um, the the second thing I did, which leads me to my next question, is I did seek out and I found um, a wonderful network. And I know that um, a homeschooling support system is so important. And there are some in place. And if you can tell our listeners about them, about some that you have knowledge and experience about, how can parents find them and how do they plug in? Yes. Well, what I say in my book is that that finding your support group is really the first thing you need to do. It's so much more important than choosing curriculum or setting a schedule or anything else. The things that the the homeschooling parents, new homeschooling parents, have tended to do, if you don't have a support system in place, you know, there's when when you inevitably crash and burn, which you will, um, there's no one there to catch you and no one there to say, oh, I've been there. And so it's really, really important. I can't stress that enough. Um, so, you know, support can be a variety of things. Of course, the easiest support to find is online these days, and, and there's just tons of of gifted homeschooling, um, homeschooling, Montessori homeschooling, um, homeschooling kids with special needs, homeschooling, you know, you could go on and on and on. Um, there's regional homeschooling. So if I, I'm going to count up the lists that I, I the email lists and the, and the forums that I partake in, which go from one that is specific to my county, um, one that is regional but gifted, one that is a statewide general homeschooling, um, several that are about homeschooling gifted kids, one about homeschooling twice exceptional kids, um, you know, and I could probably keep going. Oh, and two, I just joined two about homeschooling high school. Um, you, know, just, uh-huh. you, you can find whatever you need. And really the thing to look for is is are the people on it 
behaving in the way you like. Um, one thing I've noticed is that the the moderators have very different ideas of what is acceptable in an online forum. And I don't take part in ones where people are ever belittled or made to feel like their choices are are wrong in any way. Um, and if, you know, I would always counsel, if you see any sort of thing like that and the moderator doesn't jump on it right away, uh, go somewhere else. But But there's lots of Really great support. And, of course, every parent should be aware that you, everything you do online, even if it's a closed group, it becomes part of the web and it goes into the permanent record. And any stranger can join that group and access the information, and you should be careful about how much you want to say about your family. I know some people are totally comfortable saying everything. I mean, where they live, how old their kids are, their kids' birthdays, so emails saying, saying, 15 years ago, my son was born in this hospital. I'm like, oh, my God, are you really willing to put that? A little that discretion, right. Possible? Um, I would just recommend that you think about that before you start posting. Um, right. <laughs> um, then, there's, then there's, you know, in, as far as physical groups go, you should have a group of local homeschoolers that you can call on. Um, often, if you're talking about gifted kids, they're they're not necessarily going to be homeschoolers that you want to use the gifted word around because they might not really like that word or understand it. Um, but you might have a local gifted homeschooling group if you do, you're really lucky. Um, and there are often local gifted groups, but they might not necessarily be homeschooling friendly. Um, so, you know, there's just a couple things to look out for and just try test the waters. There are often groups that meet at parks, have park days and where the the parents get to sit around and chat about homeschooling and about their lives, and the kids get to play. Um, and then finally, I always tell people, if you don't see what you need, uh, there's nothing stopping you from starting your own thing. And the one of the physical support groups that I go to, um, in-person support groups that I go to locally, was started by two moms who looked around, couldn't find a the sort of group they wanted, and decided they were going to meet in a cafe once a month and support each other, and pretty soon they started getting other people. So um, if you don't find what you want, make what you want. That's an excellent suggestion, absolutely, because it, it really does depend on your area and where you live, and hopefully um, there will be something physical to, to plug into in both um, – whether it's a gifted group uh, or uh, a group specific to gifted homeschoolers would be fabulous. And um, yeah. something uh, something else that um, I wanted to mention was, and I know on the physical side of things, and I, I didn't attend, I wasn't able to at the time, but I know it's ongoing. There is a homeschooling conference, and I believe it's in Ohio every year. There's like um, 10,000, they have 10,000 attendees. And, of course, the resources are just phenomenal. And, I, and now you have me really curious to go and look. I know it's coming up in the spring, uh, what they're offering as far as twice exceptional or gifted there's, but, yeah, you'll be able to find you'll be able to find conferences no matter where you are. That if you're in a really out of the way place, it's going to be pretty far away and it's going to be small. Um, in California, where I live, we have two major conferences. Um, one of them is in the northern half of the state and tends to be a little more unschooly. But notice I say tends because they're they're mm-hmm. pretty they're they're very accepting of a variety of things. And the other one is in the southern half of the state tends to be a little more structured, but again, tends to. Um, so, you know, we, we all 
choose which one we like better. And, and I go every year. I love it. And I actually I go every year usually without my kids because the person who first recommended that I go said, and by the way, I always go without my kids, even though there's tons of fun stuff to do. It's a great time to get away and really think about what you're doing and talk to other parents. And if your kids are there, you can never get them sentence finished. So, um, but yes, there's <laughs> lots of homeschooling conferences um, and, and definitely worth checking out. And, you know, check out what they are because, of course, homeschoolers really do vary in what they are interested in. And so some of them are going to be very um, focused, and, and usually it's very easy to, to see. They'll say on their website that they'll be very focused on, say, Christian homeschoolers and that that's the sort of sessions that they're going to focus on and those are the people you're going to meet. Others will say this is an unschooling conference and then you're then, you know, whether or not the the homeschoolers are Christian is not the issue. It's going to be whether they're um, they're following unschooling. And so a structured homeschooler might go there and feel a little left out. Uh, so, you know, you read about the conferences and see which one appeals to you the most. Right. Well, and one of the final topics that um, we need to cover just briefly is, of course, as we've describing, many of our children learn at an individual pace. Some excel. In their areas of strengths, they need to be challenged, um, you know, as rapidly as they can advance. And then others who tend to fall behind in some of their challenges need the patience and the time to catch up. So all of those things can make it difficult when a parent tries to prepare them for the transition to college. So if we can just talk briefly about some of the ways that we can help guide them to maybe talent development in their areas of strength or finding mentors or groups or clubs uh, so they can develop their special interests, and that might help them prepare better for the specifics they're going to need in college. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, the first thing I wanted to point out is that this is not just um, gifted homeschoolers or homeschoolers with special needs. All homeschoolers tend to see that once you start homeschooling for a while, your children soar ahead in their areas of strength, and then they have more time and flexibility to address areas of weakness. But unlike in school where they're artificially kept within whatever the school offers, maybe the school has some gifted uh, education classes or it has it has an advanced math class or something, but still you're kept within the, the confines of what the school offers. In homeschooling, kids tend to get more asynchronous, and homeschooling embraces that um, and celebrates it, really. we You know, you can have kids, I, I've known kids in ho- homeschoolers who have excelled in so many, I was just talking to a mom recently whose daughter is um, becoming, go, getting on the national figure skating team and and works hours every day on her figure skating. Um, you know, a student who does that might be, might decide to relax in other subjects or a student who is, you know, competing in math Olympiads might still be working be, behind grade level on their writing. Um, so this is pretty typical for homeschoolers. Um, homeschoolers do get into college, and that's something that's really important for people to understand. Not only right. that, but homeschoolers homeschoolers are starting to be courted by by universities, even especially the best universities. Now, it's it's sort of a um, an ironic thing that it's easier 
for a homeschooler to apply to someplace like Brown University, an Ivy League school, than it is to apply to um, the University of California system. So it's it's right. an uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting time to be a homeschooler um, because some colleges are really starting to see that homeschoolers have incredible strengths. They tend to be more self-directed. They tend to have a, an easier time. Um, adjusting to the demands of college than people who have been basically kids who have been told what to do for their entire high school career tend to be suddenly thrown into college and find themselves a little unprepared for that, Um, whereas homeschoolers often have already gone to college. It's so common for homeschoolers, not just gifted homeschoolers, but homeschoolers of all types, to have taken either free online college courses or community college courses in person in physical colleges, physical courses in, in their community. And so they tend to get to college um, often better prepared. And I've even read that students who were completely unschooled, who were never, um, never put through the expectations of a structured high school, find that when they get to college, they expect that they're going to be less prepared. And they find that, you know, they might have to work a little harder in in some subjects that they didn't really pay attention to. But what they find is that because they've been so much self-guided in their education, that they're really, they have a leg up on students who have basically, you know, they've been given their schedule and then here, choose from these three electives has been the, the, um, the extent of what their what their choice and their their self direction has been able to be. So homeschooling can be an excellent pre- preparation for college, and it is getting easier and easier to apply to um, colleges. Most universities now have a special application process for homeschooled students. Well, I'm so glad you pointed that out, and I think you're right. It is is getting more friendly, um, and certainly it involves. Um, a more personalized approach, as you mentioned, when you go to a specific school that might be um, actually looking for some of the benefits that come from homeschooling and some of the strengths um, that these children can provide. And in turn, um, when they are a more friendly university or college looking for that, um, hopefully that's going to be a place that is more willing to help our kids work through some of their challenges as they make the transition as well. So I think... um, Mm -hmm. It's just a it's a great thing, and it's something that um, hopefully will be explored more as it becomes more flexible to our students, and and hopefully we'll get more attention about um, homeschooling in college. I think that issue is really significant. But um, I, I wanted want to oh go ahead. Yes, I just wanted to point out that that we talked earlier about support. If you are someone who's thinking about homeschooling your high school and you've never homeschooled before. It's really, really important for you to go check out some some high school to college um, email groups so that you can get support from people who have already done the steps that you're about to do. Um, because it can be it can be a little hairy to make sure you you do things in the correct way. You know, homeschoolers are always saying, uh, you know, I, we we decided to do things this way, and then I we we got the application to the university my child really wants to go to, and and we had to. T- he had to suddenly cram for this different different course that he didn't know about. And so, you know, it's really helpful to get support doing that because it it's, it's different than, than homeschooling in the lower grades. 
in that way. Right. Absolutely. I'm I'm really glad you you pointed that out because you're you're absolutely right there. You're dealing with a whole different set of circumstances and if that's where you're beginning then that's really important information. Um a great great advice to be given there. I I just can't thank you enough for being on. Um you've been a wonderful guest and talking about um, this very important topic that um, some of us are faced with unexpectedly, some of us plan for it. I think you've given some great information of where to start. And, um, of course, your book, which is just a wonderful resource that should be um, should be in the hands of every bookstore and every library as parents may be out there <laughs> looking for it. But if you could tell our listeners where they can find you, um, your website, blog, um, your blog you have, Twitter, Facebook, just let us know where they can find you and find your book. Okay. Well, my my website is easy to remember. It's uh, SukiWesling.com. That's S-U-K-I-W-E-S-S-L-I-N-G.com. I also have FromSchoolToHomeschool.com. I forget about that sometimes. Uh, so if you can't remember how to spell my name, you can just go to FromSchoolToHomeschool.com. Um, and if you go to my website, there are links to everything, my blog, my uh, how to get on my email list, how to get on my Facebook page, everything like that. Um, I tend to use Facebook most often. I put links to my articles on Twitter. I'm not really uh, a very talkative on Twitter generally. Um, and I love it when people join my email list because that's where I, I most often say things like, I'm, I'm writing an article on this topic and I love to get some input. And I love it when parents join those email lists so that I can get more wider wider um a wider group of experiences to work from. Well, fantastic. We are just, again, just so um, so honored to have you here today, and hopefully um, we can do more talks on homeschooling and have you back again as we follow this. Be great. Because um, I, I know uh, Marianne has mentioned there's been a lot of interest on her part, too, with the coffee clutch. This is a very important topic for many of us in all different areas, from gifted to um, twice exceptional to autism and ADHD and all of our disability groups. This is a very important topic. So we are very thankful. Um, we wish you the best at this season and um, hope that um, you have um, just a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Thank you, Suki. Well, thank you very much, and, and um, thank you for supporting homeschooling and, and letting me talk about how helpful it can be for gifted and twice exceptional kids. It's, it's a really great opportunity. Um, and happy holidays to everyone, too. Thank you. And uh, again, before we close here, I would like to thank um, Mayor Johnson and like to remind everyone to make your holiday list. Check it twice with the Mayor Johnson Gift Giving Guide. They are your special education super source with their gift guide, and they've made it easy, let me remind you, to shop in three different ways, by price, category, or specific solutions. The perfect present is just a click away at mayorjohnson.com. That's M-A-Y-E-R dash J-O-H-N-S-O-N dot com. Thank you for joining us on the Coffee Clatch. Good evening.